Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey guys, uh, Finding Backcountry podcast coming at you hot with a uh, a listener request or at least a follower. I don't know if they're listeners. You have to have listeners to have listeners. Travis, and I don't know how many people actually listen <laughs> to me or you or anybody rant, but your, your name, someone on Instagram suggested your name as a guest multiple times. There's a few people. Can you believe that? They must be hard up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> here's what's, so I've got Travis Hobbs on and here's what's funny is I do those from time to time every three months, I feel like, or something like that. And guess what? It's like, it's like the same, it's like the, the same people, people yeah. want the same six people that they said last time. And I'm like, these guys, you know, Travis and Carter and Robbie and Scotty Thompson, like, they're not going to keep answering me and getting on my podcast. <laughs> they didn't oh, have- it's all good, man. It's fun. It's, oh. it's good to talk. I love to talk deer and I could go on and on for hours about it. So it's no problem. Yeah, no, we're, you know, we didn't talk long before because I just hit record and we're like, you and I are the guys we could do this probably every week, you know, and have something (laughs) something new to talk about. But, and the best part is, man, I don't care if it's interesting to anybody, but me and you, you know. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, I got uh, Travis Hobbs on and, you know, Travis is a mule deer giant killer and a mule skinner mule man and a bow hunter you said you're shooting your bow tonight yep i dude i don't like getting new bows it's one piece of gear man that i've never been like the biggest fan of switching all the time and trying to i don't know i just get stuck in my ways i guess with a bow and i just like to shoot what i like well i've been i mean i feel like you do got to that's kind of a fine line because i mean every so many years these bows just get so much better and yeah they yeah, so I into just, it yeah i just upgraded and i'll be honest i i'm loving it like it's it's maybe and i know everybody i feel like everybody always says this like it's the best bow i've ever shot but i really am like i'm super happy with it no uh, like dude there's there's some truth to that right like like it might not be the best bow that xyz companies ever made or or whatever but there's just certain bows that hold and and steady up better for me or for you or whatever right like for sure what are you shooting so i just got the phase four i well i shouldn't say i just got it i got it a couple months ago um the matthews phase four Mm -hmm. and man like as far as a dead bow like in my hands like when you shoot it it just feels so smooth i've been a matthews fan for quite a few years um i don't know i'm kind of one of them guys and i do shoot the other bows but for some reason i don't know why i just go back to matthews i just they've always just shot well for me performed well i've never you know really had any issues but yeah this new uh camp this new limb design they have so 
it's kind of interesting and probably everybody know. I don't know if you're in archery. No, I'm sure I've, everybody knows this, but I mean, they got I've, this. I've seen them, right. I've like seen it on, in Instagram or whatever, but that's it. So like their limbs are like a split limb, but they have, I think it's like a rubber or something. I, I don't even know, but it's like multiple limbs. Dude, and when you shoot it, and I had heard this from a few guys, actually on Rockslide, I think it was Les Welch did a review, and he's a Matthews guy, and I kind of followed him as what he says. You know, he, like, I think their last couple flagship bows, he's kind of been like, um, and I could be wrong, I'm going off of memory, but I think he's kind of just been like, oh, they're good, you know, there's some improvements, but on this one, he was like Grant and Raven, and I'm like, man, maybe I better... Maybe I better look at it. It's kind of time, and I any anyways, I ended up doing it. But it shoots. It's just so quiet. It's really smooth. The draw cycle's great. Um, I, I'm I'm shooting it really well. And one of the coolest things, I don't know if you've tried the new option site. Mm. No, not dude. their site. I I've got the equalizer, dude. This site. I'm sitting here. I was just messing with it tonight, and I'm like. How has nobody come out with this yeah. until now? And Dan, you know, I years and years ago, and I used to be really like I was really big into it back. I think he was with he trophy taker, and he I think he did he invent the single pin site for some reason. I want to say that, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I know the guy invented a bunch of cool stuff for archery, the owner of option. But dude, this site is so amazing. It's expensive. Yeah, I but I honestly can't think of a site, and I love a single pin, but I've always had these hesitations with single pins. Just there's that whole time when a deer deer moves, you can't dial, and it just it was been one of those things. So this being able to flip that out, um, have my single pin, and then you flip it back in, and you've got uh, basically I got all the AD or whatever. Yep, everything's set, and then the long range adjustment it's it's just super cool and i'm doing a horrible job i'm sure uh describing it but if you get on their website check it out the youtube it's super cool i've been pretty impressed with it so and then i did try the equivalizer and i've i've uh wondered about it for years and i got that and i really like it i mean it's just a cool design saves a little weight i think you know you can still run it like a normal equivalizer but you can um put it out and i i really dig it i think it's a super awesome design so yeah i'm I'm pretty excited yeah um yeah same thing on the equivalizer right i've noticed obviously having that you know much surface area out in the front if it's real windy um mm-hmm. you know it not only blows you know moves your bow but it um it creates almost that torque right because or, mm-hmm. or that that fulcrum right at your hand basically because you know, now you've got this almost like a gate, you know, that's kind of swinging. Yep. And, and so I, I can see it, I could see in bad conditions it not helping you. Um, but my gosh, like when I shoot that, um, and we'll talk, I'll talk about the bow thing too. And you talked about switching bows, but like when I shoot with that in, in let's call them like, like mild to, you know, dead conditions, right? Like, Yep. Dude, it just that I've got the um so same deal. I in theory I'm like you where I don't like to upgrade my bow and yet I find like every 2 years I'm upgrading my bow. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. And and what's funny, Travis, is you th- as you were saying that, I'm like, man, it's so weird because I'm that way with a lot of other gear, right? I still let me give you some for instance. I've run that Kafaru twenty two mag for like ten years or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've ran the same copper spur two person tent for like eight years. I've ran the same sleeping pad for like 10 years. I've ran the same sleeping bag for like 12 years, right? Like when I find stuff that works, I'm like, like, dude, I'm like, why? No, 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 not interested. There's no reason. Why would I? But for some reason with bows, like, like you said, I can't not get on the hype wagon or whatever, you know? And I'm like, ah, frick. And then I'm set. and And just yesterday I was putting my, you know, I'm just getting my new, you know, I've been shooting all quite a bit actually, but I'm just getting my setup, you know, redialed and, yeah, you know, start shooting, fix, you know, the sever, like practice broadhead and stuff. But yeah, what is it about bows that just sucks you into, but anyway, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, technology is just like some of these things that they come out with. And I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing how cool, I don't know. It's just awesome. It's cool stuff how technology and you know when i keep saying i'm like well how can they make a better bow than this you know i think back when i was a kid you know i used to shoot competitions when i was young and i i I just think back then like how cool it was and but you compare it to now like back then what i was doing to compared to now it's just it's so unbelievable and tolerances are better we just got better gear all the way around i mean i don't know it's it's crazy but then I'm weird because I do get stuck. Like when something works really good for me, I'm just, I'm going to keep using it. I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. One of yeah. those things. But if you, you know, if you get a situation, I mean, I guess, I guess to sum all that up, like, you know, a tent, you don't really like, okay. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit lighter tent or there might be a little bigger tent, but once you find a tent that you like, it's really not going to be the competitive advantage that like kills the buck or not right like yes, as long as the I thing agree. as long as the thing stays standing in three or four season type deals you know and it doesn't collapse and it you know like it's gonna do its job right and so i don't sure. feel, i don't feel like i need to upgrade that thing every year you know even if there's new fancy schmancy tent that's you know a half ounce lighter or whatever for but sure you, but you do feel like that with a bow right it matters like, weird i don't know it's weird how yeah. it is but no. it's true hmm. yeah um yeah, no, I uh, I went out this morning. I did a, I was, you know, I, I listened to you guys, Rock Slide guys, and the cold bow challenge. And I just kind of did, I wasn't a part, I didn't jump on that. I should have, but I just kind of did my own this morning where I'm like, you know, because I shot last night, got my sight tape yep. finally, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start taking this a little more, not more serious, like, but I just got up, I ran a quick mile to kind of simulate a, stock or you know hike the hike to your glassing point in the morning or whatever and then just shot one arrow and and i i was relatively far i was like 70 yards um and i got shot my 3d target so yeah i'm i'm totally ready for the season man (laughs) sent one arrow it was liver and i would have found him in you know 12 to 16 hours and (laughs) that's awesome no i think that's such a good way to practice it's so funny um I know when they uh, first, when they, I, well, when I first kind of heard about it on Rockslide, that cold bow challenge, I, I, I immediately knew, I was like, yeah, this is such a good idea because it is funny. I know it's so easy. Like for me, 
I go, I usually try to hit a 3D range on a regular basis. I have a couple of them, you know, within an hour of my house and I'll go, there's different ones and they have different courses and I try to shoot, you know, but when you go through there and you're shooting 20 arrows, it's just, it's different than that one arrow, like every day. And it's just, and I try to practice that way at home. Like, and I don't maybe do a, I, I'm more I usually try to shoot an arrow just before I walk out the door to work. Like I'll just shoot an arrow, I'll get out on my porch, I'll just shoot one arrow. And then, you know, maybe when I come home or I just, every once in a while, I try to practice that, like just that one arrow. And it's kind of fun. It's uh, it's different than, you know, trying to shoot for groups or whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's good practice well, because that's a lot of times what we're doing is just in a hunting scenario. That's, yeah, that's right? it two weeks maybe never even pull your bow back maybe it's three weeks and then it all comes down to that one opportunity and it's that's that's the money shot you know yeah so one so two things um i i do when i'm in the backcountry on a hunt i'll pull my bow back periodically right throughout the day or whatever just you know put an arrow in if you're real real don't trust yourself but um i'll just pull it to keep the muscles and that memory or whatever you know anchor on something and then let down um, which I think subconsciously kind of helps with, you know, any target panic that, you know, whatever, sure. right. It, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, no. So I realized this morning that just after one arrow is as, as dumb as this sounds, but how valuable that was, was that one arrow and I shot and I told you it's a bad, you know, it was, I hit the thing, but it was a bad shot. And as soon as it was over you know, and, and I filmed it, right. I haven't posted it yet, but yeah. I filmed it. And if you really want to put some pressure on yourself also like film it, right. It's, it's kind of put your phone there. Yeah. And what I realized as soon as it was over is I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I didn't, I didn't take that as serious as it was. Right. I didn't Mm -hmm. take it. It it just went by as one shot and I, I, I pulled it and it was like, well, and then after I'm like, frick, like that, that's the point. Right. Is I didn't just like this, that wasn't, I wasn't shooting like my mother's life depended on it. Like my dad used yep. to say in baseball, right? Like, yep. yeah, that's so true. That comparison in baseball, that's exi- exactly right. Yeah. And like that one swing that's yep. Yeah. But you got to get this bunt down. And my dad would say, you know, yes. if you, if your mother's life depended on that, you would have, you know, got the bunt down or stole the base or whatever. But anyway, yeah, put all your effort. Yep. Yep. And so tomorrow I'm going to try it again. I'm going to roll one and uh, I'll film that one too. Maybe get them posted up, but. Fun. I think it's a good idea just to practice that way and just, and then, you know, and it's funny. Um, I try to do it too. You know, maybe there's a little bit of wind. Um, sometimes I'll walk across the street, make a really long bomb shot mm-hmm. in there, like a one shot, or I'll try to you know, change it up, just whatever. And I, I think, I don't know. I like practicing like that. I think it's a good idea. And I kind of do it with a rifle. Like uh, I know I'll pack my rifle on my mules and then throughout the summer and I'll just, you know, maybe it's across a canyon or at some weird angle and I'll just try to shoot, you know, a long shot, just one single shot and see if I hit, you know, just see if I connect and it's all good. And I think that kind of, instead of just, you know, going to the range at 200 yards, yeah. whatever, but it's just, I think it, that real world and just mixing it up and just trying for one shot, see how you do with one shot. Yep. That's good stuff. Yep. Yep. Getting yourself out of that. You know, I'm at the range. I'm just shooting, you know, my hundred zeros or, you know, targets I already know, or I'm shooting off the bench or whatever, just getting, getting, and then, and then, yeah, like you said, one shot, it's different. Yep. It's funny how, and it's funny how you, 
you do when you're shooting multiple, I mean, I can stand out there and shoot, you know, five arrows, you know, 10 times or whatever, but you do kind of get lazy. You know, it's funny. You're just sitting there shooting and you don't, you're not really thinking about everything. You just, you're shooting and then he don't, you just don't put it all into it. So it's a good, it's a good deal. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Oh man. How's the, how's your season shaping up? Like, what do you, what, what do you, and what do you so, got? What are you thinking? Like, it's an interesting year, bud. It's I'm nervous. Um, I think that winter was awful. Um, I've been, I've been all over and it's probably the worst I have ever seen this summer, man. Like as far as what bucks I'm seeing on the ground, just overall deer numbers, it's bad. Uh, it, I knew it was going to be bad throughout the winter. I just knew. I I mean, a lot of our stuff locally was still really affected from that 16, 17 winter. And then to have that winter come in, it was crushing. Uh, I mean, I am finding some bucks. They're just, I'm not finding. It's It's been rough. And I mean, I'm right in the heat of things now. But yeah, that winter is going to be devastating. And I think it's going to be bad for quite a few years uh just locally around here just all the places i've been going you know and i'm talking utah i've been in idaho went bear hunting in wyoming um spent well up i guess through the middle of june um i've been kind of just bouncing around just a bunch of places that i usually can always find buck and it's rough it sucks uh this spring has been super interesting locally here uh, it was the coolest spring that I can ever remember. Uh, we were getting these thunderstorms that would come through every single night. I've never seen it so green as it is right now. Um, we were fine. We are heating up. And like, when I say like locally, we're only still 85, 87. I think it was 80, it was something like high eighties today. Um, uh, but I know there's places that are getting super hot. Um, Oh, well, into, you know, approaching a hundred. And I think that trend's going to continue for a while. So I think we're going to see it dry out, but I know the feed man is so unbelievable. Like my mule pastures, mm-hmm. I have grass. So I have a couple pastures. I haven't, I haven't put them in yet. And the grass is, I swear to my, my, uh, armpits. It's unbelievable. I've never seen it like this. Yeah. Um, I know I just, some of the local, I just barely, I just barely started irrigating right like like i normally am irrigating like end of may early june whatever as soon as they turn the 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 irrigation on right yep because because my field and i don't have a big field just a little one but same principle i didn't we just barely started feeling like okay like we need to start dropping some water in there like it's been so wet every we had like a two-week stretch where it rained every single night every day yeah yep that's how it was here too man Mm. It's crazy. It's just, and I mean, right now, so, and as hot as it was today, so today's the 20th. Um, I just, when I got home, it just had rained, like, enough to cover the ground. You know, it wasn't a big rainstorm, just a weird thunderstorm rolled over. And, I mean, we've been getting those. It's been, it's, it, I don't know, it's crazy. And the storms, I don't know, it's wild. They just keep rolling through. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, going up in the mountains, I cannot believe the feed. I was actually looking I was on a job today and there was some antelope bitter brush on the job and the leaders 
on the antelope bitter brush the new growth's got to be eight nine inches i couldn't believe it like it's just unbelievable so as far as browse and feed goes for what deer are there it's going to be awesome i do think antler development's a little behind this year i seems like it right Yep. And that's an interesting thing to me because I've never really, um, I've never noticed winter to affect it. Even in 16, 17, uh, the summer of 17, I watched one of the bucks I killed um, for basically the entire summer. I got to look, I got to watch him almost, uh, well, a, a regular basis. We'll just put it that way. Once every other week or something like that and I, I i was always super impressed with how developed he was and some of the deer i've been watching uh there was been a couple and i'm like wow they are so balled up like they're they just haven't developed and i can tell they got a long way to go but this next two weeks is really um i think when they usually do that you get that significant growth about right now. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see what I find and how it goes. Yeah. And I don't know if desert deer will be different than mountain deer, but I've heard guys like Carter um, and hopefully I'll get him on soon again. Cause he was another one that was requested, but I've heard guys like him, uh, that track deer down in the desert where he hunts a lot and they've seen those bucks put on 20, 30 inches in like a two week span in August, right? From August Mm -hmm. 1st to August 10th or, you know, July 25th to, you know, August 15th or whatever, they've seen them put a substantial like 20, 30, 40, I want to say inches of growth on in that last, you know, and, and that's, that's a lot, um, but and this I've would seen, be the I've year, seen, right? Yep, I've seen very similar in the mountains, like a couple, and especially when you're talking like uh, two, like big bucks, like two ten plus deer. Um, I've been able, lucky enough to follow a couple of them through the summer, and I've watched a few of them get into that. You know, like you knew they were pretty good bucks. Like there was no question. I I won't say it, for me. I mean, when I come in, you know, the end of July, I'm like, yeah, that deer, I'm all in. But I did watch a couple of them transform, like, just to giants in that, uh, you know, two, three-week period. It was just insane. And I will say, I've seen a lot of cheaters really develop. And uh, so drop tines on one buck, it was kind of interesting. He had these little nubs um that were and i don't know if this was just him and how he grew but like august 1st i honestly would have bet you they were just these little nubs and i'm like okay they're gonna be you know like these little teeny droppers maybe one two inch long then he had a couple cheaters that were just a little bit like they were almost looked like a ball or a mound well dude in like a two-week period those two um i swear it was two three weeks on the drop tying buck, especially, two they blew up to like seven, eight inch drop. Bottom just drops I remember out of them. just thinking, like, yeah, and I don't know why that happened. I don't know. I don't understand. I guess I'm not. I'm not really familiar with how antlers develop, but it was interesting how all of a sudden it just like his tips blew up. His like all those finishing points just like he really it just blew up right there and. <laughs> You know, I've killed deer as early as the earliest I've ever killed a deer is 
I've killed actually a number, uh, quite a few deer on August 18th. And so that, or like August 17th, 18th, I think, I know one was on August 18th. I think one was just because I have a date that I remember, but I think one was like around the 16th or something, but right in that middle of August. And you know, and when you skull cap them, they are so heavy, like full of blood. They're heavy. I've been over at my taxidermist, watched him inject them. And like, he's pumping all this blood. And you go to that September, you know, so I've killed a couple on, uh, I've killed a couple on August 30th, which would be Idaho's opening day, September 1st, right in there that first couple days. And dude, it's like a whole different thing. Like, so when they would inject them, barely any blood, just so that transition, just in a couple weeks, it's amazing how they develop and change, you know, and I know one buck that I shot and I actually would love to know, but <laughs> he was Bali still. So middle of August, it was the Utah archery opener. I think it opened it was about that 17th, 18th, third Saturday mm -hmm. in August. And man, he, I still think he would have probably put on another inch or two, you know, I really believe it. And I know I've heard stories from other guys, the same kind of thing. So it's just interesting antler development, how it works. And I'm like, I wonder how, that long winter would have affected it if they were in like bad shape. Was that going to matter? I don't know. It's just it's a bunch of questions I have, but. Well, it's, I mean, the answer with, with animals, it's always got to be like a biological or a survival thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I, and so I'm like, yeah, what the heck is it? Right. And I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe like, you know, they have those hard winters and, and so they know that to the optimum way, you know, to grow the biggest, you know, cause they're trying to grow like the biggest, strongest antlers, right. To fight yep. off whatever. Right. That's just, you know, the, and, and so, you know, it, it must, again, I don't know why, but there must be a reason that it just delays when it's real rough, long winter, um, so that it can maximize itself later in the year or something. I don't know, but yeah. And I, and, and I think the opposite kind of thing on like, so I know this year with the bad winter, I noticed a lot of even, I felt like a ton of bucks dropped really early. I don't know if, but I say that, I, and then maybe it's just me. And sometimes I wonder if I'm just ta talking myself into this stuff. But then I know bulls that were packing like good bulls. And generally by April, 15th any bull that would be over i don't know say a five point a mature five generally his antlers are laying on the ground he's they're not packing on his head i saw some bulls this year some really good bulls that were packing way late and i wondered like i'm like man that's weird um almost up to so it was i think the latest i saw one it was almost man it was almost may 1st because that opener and I remember seeing him and I'm like, man, that's weird. And I don't know, maybe that bull had something wrong with him, but I saw some other ones late in April packing and usually like a big bull. I usually feel like they're on the ground earlier. So I don't know. It's just interesting stuff. Hmm. How does your approach change looking for specifically for big bucks? Uh, how does your approach change on a year like this? I mean, I know it's, it's something none of us have really experienced. I don't think in the, in the last, you know, no, nothing like this winter, right. That we've ever yeah, had. I, I agree, man. Not for me. I know not in my life. Well, 
I don't really remember the early nineties. I mean, I remember hearing stories, but I don't, yeah. and I was alive. I was five, six. I mean, you know, I remember a lot of snow and I remember snow banks and that, but whatever. Yeah. So but, what, what have you heard? What do you gather from maybe guys, you know, like Robbie's or whoever that have been through this once or twice, but like, what, what is your plan going into this? So most of those guys that I know, even back then, I know very few guys that were out scouting and like hardcore buck hunters that were out scouting early back in those days. So I don't really know anybody like that. I know there was probably a few guys, you know, you had guys doing it, obviously, for sure. So I just know that a lot of them guys, they told, like, I remember just with those kind of guys, I remember a lot of my uncles. I remember a lot of people in like that 93, 94, 95. Dude, that ended a lot of, I ended a lot of hunting camps locally. I know for my family, I had just those guys that weren't really serious about hunting. Kind of just, it was so bad when those years happened. They kind of quit. And I remember thinking to myself as a young kid, I'm like, what? They're not going to deer camp? Like, are you freaking nuts? Like, they're really not going to go. And it's just one of those things, you know, just weren't super serious, whatever. But I will say, I do think that we have, I, in my opinion, I don't think there's been a more significant winter kill, at least around here. And I'm talking like that tri-state, western Wyoming, northern Utah, southeast Idaho. I don't think there's been a more significant winter kill. I know 17 wasn't this bad. Uh, at least in my opinion, somebody could argue that, but I don't think there's any way for me, what I'm doing different this year, a lot of it always comes back to my history. So I always, I always have bucks from prior years that I'm leaning back on. So that's, that doesn't change. However, this year I have went and tried to look for a bunch of those bucks that I was like, okay. They're looking really good. They were young looking deer. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be on that cusp. And man, there's been, I've, let's just put it this way. I had about 10 or 11 that I was like all in on this year. I was convinced we're going to really blow up. I have only found one of those deer um, thus far. And I still got to go check a couple spots and a couple of them. I haven't really done a lot of justice, but I am super nervous because usually that's not the case. Usually most years it's like the opposite. Like I can usually find seven or eight out of those 10 bucks. And now I'm like on the opposite end. One thing I am doing this year that's going to be a little different is I'm moving a bunch and I actually went, I'm considering trying to get out of the winter kill um, locally in this like area. Like I love hunting Southeast Idaho. Dude, I have, I have not hunted central Idaho for a long time, but I'm really considering spending time up there just to get out of the winter kill guys. I'm talking to up there, you know, winter up around, Oh, let's say like the salmon river country. Um, even out through Boise, it's basically if you drew a line in the middle of Idaho in in half, most of the stuff up further North, like did it was not a bad winter. Um, it, it really was in pretty good shape. I, so I'm going to, I'm definitely considering that, um, I'm going to definitely be <laughs> considering in the future. I will, my applications 
will be completely different. I will be looking at central Wyoming. I'm going to be looking at some different stuff. I had a buck a few years ago. I found on this antelope hunt with my wife. I, that was out in central Wyoming and just some unheard of unit, dude, I'm going to like I, next year. I'm seriously considering that. I also, I'm going to go to Southern Utah. I really, I'm, I'm going to go back to, I grew up hunting down there a little bit as a kid. I had some family down there. My grandpa um, was from down in that country. They hunted it all the time. I got to go down there on quite a few occasions. Um, I'm going to jump back in. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to jump down south. I think I, it's just going to change my strategies going forward. As one thing that sucks, and I noticed this after the 17 winter, that first year after that winter kill, I was still finding good bucks. There's a few good bucks that I was finding through. After the 19 winter, um, and it was a pretty rough one, the 1819, or was it 1920? It was 1819. Mm, 1819. Yep. It was a pretty bad winter, too. And, dude, it, like, decimated um, a lot of the age class, and it was super hard. And we were just kind of coming back on the rebound, and then this happens. So I know I'm just going to be looking elsewhere. I'm going to get a little more serious. Um, I'm pro I'm going to try to get back to Arizona. I've kind of wrote that off the past couple of years. I'm probably going to go down there. I'm going to just back. I mean, some of these places that are getting just insane moisture, some of the stuff that's happened, and this can like, it, it's, it, it's crazy how good those deer are doing. And you hear some of the biologists, um, Southern Utah and kind of what some of the numbers they're seeing on fawn recruitment, that's good stuff, man. That's what, I mean, three, four years down the road, that could be just yeah. epic. So wanna, it's just one of those things. I want to know how you're getting all these tags. Dude, <laughs> I get, I am, well, I try to take advantage of every program I can as far <laughs> as trying to whatever I can do. Dude, my big thing is, though, is I just take tags. I really do, man. I take tags. I buy uh, Colorado. Um, dude the tags i'm hunting it is so shit. like they really are like it's one point zero point areas i just i am weird i like to go to the place often so southern utah for instance one thing that's very interesting and i don't i i am hesitant to even say this but i'm gonna do it <laughs> southern utah Non-residents do not take advantage of general season hunting opportunities in Utah. There, I said it. Um, nobody does it, man. I have as a non-resident in most of the units and a lot of the general season units have better draw odds than a resident. Name a state that's like that. And why guys don't take advantage of it, I have no idea. Um, but it's one of those things. And then there's other programs, so dedicated hunter program. Not many non-residents want to be a part of Utah's dedicated hunter program. Sucks. It's expensive. You got to put up a load of man hours or pay for them. But dude, you are guaranteed a tag for three years signing up for that program. And if any of you are wondering what I'm talking about, go look up the draws. It's freaking insane. Yeah. Well, you'd think, but I'll tell you a story. My brother and I had yeah. X number of points. We had points for dedicated hunter. Tried to jump in this year. There was mm -hmm. like nine people who didn't, who nine people who applied with our points, <laughs> uh -huh. six of them drew 
Three of them didn't. Guess who two of the three were? <laughs> Are you serious? Dude. My sister-in-law is like a math professor. And I'm like, I had to ask her, I'm like, and do the math for me. What is it? And she came up with like, oh, it was like a 3% chance or something that you two didn't, both didn't draw. I'm like, what? Dude, that's unreal. Yeah. But yeah, so no, I'm, I, I'm with you, man. Listen, I'm, I'm the tag guy. Like, you know, I, I, I strike out in almost every draw yep. and yet, you know, by the end of the year, I mean, I have a gimme from Wyoming, obviously. Um, yeah, and same with me in Idaho. I mean, that's yeah. a, and usually I get two in Idaho every single year. I buy enough, as soon as non-residents, yeah, as soon as the um, non-resident tags go on sale, I yeah grab one up. Yep, yep. But I will, and I, I, I will guarantee, not guarantee, but there's a very high chance that I'll either or grab a, I'll get a Colorado or a Nevada leftover again, but. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways, and I could have had twelve tags in the regular draw if I wanted them, you know. But yes. I'm I'm a little bit because I have that Wyoming tag in my back pocket. I'm it allows me um, to be a lot more risky, right? With all oh, for almost sure. all my other states, but yeah, and that's the thing is that's what I try to do is I always have a few certain tags. Like I, I will always generally, well, I've had a Utah. I've had a Utah deer tag. I would bet. I, no, I know I have. I've had one every single year since um, 2000. No, well, since I was 14 or 13 years old, I've had one every single year. I know a lot of guys that don't do that. It's funny. Um, but you could, there are units that don't, like, you can get tags. Um, and they suck. That's the thing is, I think... <laughs> dude i eat so many freaking tags every year it's just unbelievable like i have a whole pocket full from last year um i usually try to get to them all and dude and it's a fine line because i know you can definitely get too many and you don't do them justice but when you got a couple tags that are in your back pocket you can kind of shoot for i don't know the stars in a way and then you know and there's other ways to take advantage of it so like you thought I can put in for limited entry deer in Utah, and then I can also apply for the general season deer, which is kind of an opportunity hunt, but all the while putting in for a limited entry hunt. Um, the There's like, well, Arizona is another one. So you can get over-the-counter archery tag in Arizona and still apply, you know, and I, I, I have a lot of points in Arizona. Well, not a ton, but I have quite a few. And I fully intend on someday I will be in Arizona because I'm freaking, I honestly, I'm sick of winter, so I might be 20 years, but someday I will move down there. My <laughs> points will convert over to resident and maybe I'll hunt the strip one day when I'm an old man. I just think like that. I don't know. I'm weird. Um, and then some of the opportunities in Colorado and uh, guys talk about it, but there are land vouchers. You have to do some homework. You have to dig on this and you can't just go to the normal hunting sites that everybody's looking for vouchers. There are these oddball units and I've hunted them with these land vouchers. I find a rancher down there, got some land like, Hey, what do you, would you apply for these? And, you know, and usually a lot of times he tells me, yeah, second, third season, I'll have these. And some of the prices thousand bucks, 1500 bucks i've spent um you're going direct you're going direct to the landowner themselves direct to the landowner i just make contacts dude and i'm always kind of putting my feelers out there um maybe a guy 
usually what happens is, is I tell somebody I'm hunting in Colorado and they're like, Oh, where at? I got so-and-so that lives there. And I'm like, Oh really? You got, you know, somebody, what does he do? Oh, he's a rancher. And my other buddies, ranchers, whatever. And I'm like, well, how about some contact information? (laughs) Just a cold call them up. And dude, those guys, a lot of those guys, well, legally, they can't market their tags. They're not supposed to be marketing them. They're supposed, you're supposed to buy them direct through an outfitter. How closely that law's followed, I don't know, because I feel like there's a lot of. It's I, like this underground yes. community, right? You just all mm-hmm. of a sudden, guys like you or whoever are like, well, I got to land on a run. And you're like, yep. wait, what? Oh, I got to land on a run in Colorado. You know, and it's like, what where like when was it you know when was that uh, well it's not it's never it's no one you know it's first rule yeah. of fight club is you don't talk about fight club for sure <laughs> yep and that and most of these guys though they don't dude, they're not thinking like like i well i'll be honest one guy that i know it's so funny when i asked him the price i about fell over backwards because i had seen some tags listed on another website for triple his cost this guy has dude he was blown away that i was willing to spend a thousand dollars on a deer tag he's sitting there thinking dude you're freaking nuts and i'm like well i just look at it and it's just funny some of these guys you know they're old ranchers like some of them and they don't they just really don't know and i know everybody's talked doom and gloom that you can't get tags it's getting harder and harder and it is i will say in the past 15 20 years what i have seen change it's unbelievable how much harder but there's still a ton of opportunity there's still good bucks being killed and dude and i'm the most uh i'm the guy that has dude i set my expectations like when i go into these units even if there's a unit there are dude i will literally go in there and i swear dude it's in the back of my mind i will find a freaking giant and that's just how i approach hunting like i always think that way and dude it doesn't happen and i always it never happens but i really do have i i never am thinking there's not a big buck in here because i and, and i don't know why but i swear that helps like your mindset it's so important because dude have you ever been with a guy you're sitting there glassing and you get a buddy or whatever that's down in the mouth like this sucks whatever Dude, they've almost gave up and they're giving it like this half-ass effort glassing. I have been with guys doing that and they have honestly talked themselves in that they aren't going to see a deer. They're not going to find one. And I'm over there like, no, I'm going to find a deer. And dude, I'm finding them all these bucks and they still are down enough. Yeah, that's probably the only one. Mm. You don't have to spot one. And I think when guys really, when you just sit back, you have to think. I think you have to think like that. I don't know. That's my take. And and I know that I'm lying to myself a little bit. Like, and I know, but dude, deep in my heart, I truly believe I'm going to find the best buck in this unit. Like I will find him. I will, I'm going to do what every, nobody else is doing. I'm going to class at two 30 in the afternoon, whatever it takes. I'm going to long range class. I'm going to do something different that nobody's doing. And that I'm going to find him. And I don't know, man, it just, it's funny how it works. But I really feel like that attitude, and I know a few guys that, truthfully, they go in with that same attitude. Dude, they're the guys that always find these giant bucks. Like, they're just, I don't know, it's just funny. It's this attitude thing, and I, 
There's something about it. I'm convinced about it. So it's funny because I've a I've been that guy. B I've almost morphed. Let me throw that. I think we're I think we're thinking the same thing, just two different ways to get there, right? I'm yeah. almost to the point, especially after you know the last couple of years with the winter and Wyoming and. Like you went into it just thinking how there's not even going to be a deer over four and a half or whatever. And so I almost find myself with this attitude the last couple seasons of like, he's not there anyway. So you better look harder. Like, does that make any sense? Like, like he's not even there. And yet that's what makes me sick. Like I'm so sick to find him, the buck, the, you know, the 200 incher that doesn't exist. Yep. Right. Like chasing a unicorn. And, you know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, because I've convinced myself it's not real. I can't not keep looking for it. <laughs> for sure. No, I, Same yeah, thing. Right. True. Kind of. Like. Yeah. And I think, and I think too, what I go back to most of the places I try to hunt places that I can go back to often. So, and I try to build history. So being an Idaho resident, you're super lucky because, man, I can hit so many units. I can go, I mean, you draw a 100-mile circle around Idaho Falls. Dude, there are so many of the top, the best units that literally, if Idaho managed similar to what, uh, like a, a tightly managed type program, which I'm glad they don't, and I, I want to. I'll talk about that. But if they really restricted tags, they would kill the biggest bucks. It, like I honestly believe it would surpass Colorado. It would surpass all of them. Dude, the quality and just what it has produced over the years, the genetics, maybe it's the minerals. I don't know, but I know it can produce giants. The problem is is they it is not what it used to be most guys come to southeast idaho and it's so funny how many people i talk to just on and a lot of them you know could be non-resident residents whatever everybody is so down in the mouth about it and i'm going to be the first to admit it completely sucks right now however i always know and i can find these weird bucks that just show up on the winter range and they're giants it happens in and i won't say every unit but there's always a couple that just show up and then you look at wyoming so let's look at western wyoming the biggest deer in the united states every single year show up on the wyoming winter range where the most popular where are those suckers during the season you know like but they're in a general season public land there's that's all put like it's one of the most publicly held parcels the wyoming residents can go there every single year dude and it's still producing the world's biggest mule deer and that is what i think about all the time whenever i get down in the mouth i'm always like dude remember what you saw this winter yeah like you were out there on the winter range you know them bucks exist they got to be somewhere and i know they're on public land i know that they're out there and that's kind of i guess that's probably what spending that time on the winter range gives me that confidence 
that I'm like, I'm not lying to myself. Like I know there's a giant somewhere. I just got to turn him up. You know, yeah. I might have to look at 500 bucks to find that one, but I just, that's what I just tell myself, yeah. I guess approaching it that way and being, I don't know, just using data and things you've seen. And then, like I said, man, that ability to go back every year, dude, I'm so tempted to move to Wyoming. I can't even tell you because the opportunity that Wyoming residents have to hunt that deer herd and the bucks that are out there, it's so precious. Like it, it's, it's just unbelievable. And I think about it all the time, how we're going to look back. I am convinced in 20 years, Dustin, me and you are going to get on a podcast or whatever we're doing. Then God, maybe we uh, narrow link and we're, I don't know, <laughs> but we're going to look back at these times and say, what were we thinking? Why, you know, we yeah. could have done all this stuff. That's, that's the other thing, how I kind of approach is I look back at the past 20 years, dude, if I would have known what I know now, 20 years ago, oh my God, man, I, it would be, I feel like, I'd accomplish the world. And that's, I guess, what kind of, uh, that's really what fuels me. And I think that's just kind of my approach is that I'm just going to try to make the best of everything we got. And I know it sucks right now and it's, it, I am a little down about it, but I still, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking try to find the biggest buck I can find on the mountain. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I should have went one step further. Cause that's like really, what I meant was like, you see that big buck show up on the winter range here in Wyoming yep. and it's like, okay, he's there comma. I like, I can't find him. This is driving me nuts. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, not him specifically, but that's just the representation that you're using. In but your yeah, head. but there's a bunch of them yeah. too, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of good ones that maybe they, you know, when you go out there and you spend enough time, some of the bucks that, you know, never make it to, you know, I might see them occasionally posted on social media and I'm not one. I don't post anything. I see if there's a live deer, you'll never see me post a picture of it again. <laughs> but I know that there are just some tremendous deer and it's not in dude, Utah, um, Nevada, all these states, every state, Montana, I need contacts in Montana, you know, and it makes me like, shit, maybe I better get up there. But I think there's just there's these deer in different places that are surviving. They're getting old. They're giants. And it's just like, and some of them, I know everybody knows about these high-end hunts, uh, Arizona Strip, for instance. But, dude, I, what year was it? I think it would have been 2010 or 11. Pretty sure. I was bow hunting in Arizona. I found this antler. Um, dude freaking giant buck in a no-name unit i've never even heard anybody talk about it a tag a place that i could go archery hunting every year and it was an old antler um it, I, I i can't even guess how old it was i know it was it was definitely at least a couple years old but that's the stuff that just drives me man yeah. that i'm just like okay i know there's just these weird anomalies and these weird bucks that slip through the cracks get old and then the other thing is about general season or places you can go back often when all the locals and all everybody are down in the mouth about it dude they're not in there crushing it like the henry's like the poncegon like um arizona strip dude to, those bucks down there have so many people after them so many sources and in some of these weird off the wall 
several units that are just me that nobody goes to. Dude, that's what, and everybody's like, oh, you can get a tag there every year. Mostly Idaho residents. I listen to these guys, like my neighbors, just people I know. Dude, they're so down in the mouth about Idaho. Most of them might go hunting on the opening day or they might go maybe in the middle of the week one day, but they don't even get out there and get after it just because they've already convinced themselves it's over before they even started. Yeah. Kind of funny, man. How many of your big bucks, and if you want to break this out into like big bucks that you've killed in an, in an early like September or sooner yeah. you can, yep. but how many of your big bucks, let's say whatever you want to call a mature buck, at least, you know, or 180 plus or whatever. How many of those bucks did you see or know about before the season opened? Like you scouted them and saw Dustin, <laughs> I have only killed one significant buck that I would call significant. Like, a, I mean, it's a double cheater, 30 incher. That was a rut hunt that I had no idea about every single one of my bucks so i got i'm looking at them here on in my office um every single one man i could tell you a story it's funny i could go through every one of them but dude some of them multiple years um every one of them has been something i saw before season and killed that way every giant buck dude i have never once um I've never got lucky, man, in the middle of hunting season. I have never turned up a big buck um, during hunting. Well, that I've killed. I have turned up, I can think of two that I got lucky. One of them I missed. One of them I never got on. I never could get on him. But every big significant buck that I've killed has been something I have found at least, dude, let me think. I'm just looking at them all. So yeah, every one of them, dude, has been um, something. You know what? I can honestly say this: every one of them's a buck that I found in July. <laughs> I have found every buck in July. Travis, that is what's keeping me up at night because I'm on this journey of trying to become you, right? Trying to become whatever you know, a guy who kills not just a big buck because I. Listen, I was the guy who I did it on accident a couple of years ago down in Colorado. Like we didn't have any business pulling that buck out of there and 190 inch deer just walked over the wrong ridge mm-hmm. at the wrong time. Right. Yep. We saw him for a total of 28 minutes before I killed him. Um, and that's my, my, my theory and my, what I've been processing in my head lately um, I bounced all this off my wife last night because she's the only one I have to talk to really, unless I jump on a podcast <laughs> and she was, yeah. she was amazed. Trust me. She was very impressed. <laughs> she doesn't care, but, um, no, she I cares. Mean, my wife does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But it hit me all of a sudden that after talking, having all these conversations and talking, you know, you and Robin to whatever, right. Everybody, David, from David Long to Mark Smith, to all these guys yeah. that, Big bucks die during scouting season. Yes. Monster bucks. I'm not talking 160. I'm not even talking 170 because I still feel like that's that, that realm of a, 
three and a half, four and a half year old deer that I can probably still go kill a hundred, 170 inch deer most of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But that next level buck, they die in the summer. Yes. And, and not just, not just the art of the fact that you found them, right. Tell me that I'm wrong, but when you find them, what that does and you, you know, let's say you find them in July, like you said, Tell yep. me that I'm wrong. You, you, let's say you see them one or three or five or 10 times. It doesn't matter, but you figure out where that buck's living. It's what keeps you sitting right there looking at that hillside during the season when you, you haven't turned him up or you saw him and he left and you, but you know, right? Like if 100%, he's hundred percent Dustin, ah, frick man, it's what's keeping Dude, me up at night right so, now because I'm so like, I've, I've been trying so hard to take my scouting more seriously. Um, I'm to the point where, you know, I, I have, I don't know, two or three total weeks, uh, that I could probably get away with and not lose my job completely. And I'm, I'm, I'm seriously debating one week is my buddy's elk hunt. He's waited like 18 points down in Colorado. I got, I'm going on that and I want to go Yeah. the middle week. I'm seriously debating turning those days back in and redistributing them to, to August. Yes. I think you're sm Well, I'm going to put it this way, man. Velvet deer, deer in the velvet, red coat, velvet deer are just easier to find. And I don't care what anybody says. I will argue that until the day I die. There is something about those deer when they're in velvet. I don't know why but they just are out in the open more, longer, whatever reason. I, I don't know. And I, I honestly think this is my, this is my redneck opinion. I think a deer in a summer coat is adapted better to be outside in hot elements and they're just better off out in the sun like they can handle it. I think the hardest time to kill a deer, and I would argue this to the day I die, is from, I would say, October about 5th to about the 28th. Um, now, there is a couple great equalizers, and we've talked about it before, like snow. I do think snow, you can find big bucks. You can, and I, and I, when I'm saying like the significant deer I've killed, I'm talking like 190 plus type deer, like big bucks. The, I, I know that the, well, say that again. Probably, Did you say September 5th or October 5th, October 5th to the, to the, let's say October 25th, I think is the hardest oh, time yeah. okay. to kill a deer. Okay. I, um, I heard, yeah, I heard easiest, but yeah, you said hardest. Yeah. yeah. So oh, maybe I said that. So yeah, get, but I'm just thinking, so the scar buck that was super popular in Wyoming, dude, I, this is such a crazy thing, man. And it's been one of the, dude, I sit and I ponder about this all the time. Like it hits me. Like I bet I think about this once a week. So here's a great example. I drive up. So dude, I've told this story, but uh, probably a bunch. I don't know if I, but I'll just tell it again. I ended up running late one morning, did not get to the spot I wanted to. And I literally was trying to come up with, okay, how can I best make, so I'm headed up, I'm going scouting, July. I'm going up and dude, 
my day just, it didn't start off how I wanted to. I had these big expectations. I was going to hike way back in here. So anyways, I'm running behind. So I'm like, hey, how can I make the best of it? Dude, I got lucky. I just picked this spot. I freaking park my truck and I just go for a hike. Dude, and I get up there and I got a pretty good vantage point and I end up seeing, which at the time, to be fair, I did not know it was him, but I knew it was a buck. Like, I, I, in the back of my head, I thought it might have been. I really did, but I didn't, I was not convinced of it. I, I knew, well, all I knew is that buck is very, it, it, he's a giant. I'm like, that. he's shooter opening day, no matter what. I knew <laughs> he had, he was starting to four, had four cheaters, town drop time, um, over 30 already. I mean, just a giant buck. Um, one of them ones, anybody on God's green earth, they look at that deer, they're like, okay, hey, I'm in. Dude, I spent, so just a stupid, honestly, accident to find that deer. I had no intentions of being there, classing there. I was running late. And I tried to just pick up the pieces I was given and what I had and make it. And that's how easy it can happen is just to be able to sit there. Now to go in deeper, I literally spent, dude, I don't know how many days. I don't know how many trail cameras I put out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I did not see that deer until a week seven days before I killed him, I could never find him again. And I killed him on October 1st. I spent uncount Dustin. I spent so much time in there. I convinced myself that that deer has left. I said, I caught him transitioning into his summer pattern, whatever. He was a late migrator. That's what I convinced myself of. Dude, I wrote him off. I quit looking for him. I quit hunting there because i was like convinced i'm like dude i've seen every deer five times around in here can't find him that is what keeps me like if there's these bucks are so good at hiding like an old buck so he ended up being eight and a half years old had evaded on public land general season area for residents for eight and a half years was a giant from, I mean, the year before I killed him, he was, I think in the two, I've heard numbers. I don't know. I've never, but like 250 plus easy 250 plus. So we're talking, you know, everything. I mean, golly was all, all over the internet out on the winter range, but this buck, like how much time I spent in there looking, looking, looking and could not find him. Dustin, he was there the whole time. Listen, like he was you there can't, the <clears throat> you cannot talk to me like this <clears throat> when I'm hopped up <laughs> on half of a white monster energy <laughs> in the middle of July and I've got anxiety already because I haven't found a buck. Like I'm ready to jump through the freaking window, <laughs> bareback my pony and just head in somewhere to look for a deer. Yes. Like I don't even know what I'm doing. Like this is well, so getting me so jacked up. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, but it's stuff like that, man. But that, that's crazy, right? Like you would, even if, like, if you hadn't seen him though, it never, like. Never. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I wouldn't have seen, yeah, I never would have found him. There's no way. Yeah. You you would have sat there, even if you'd sat there a week and someone told you that they'd seen the biggest buck of their life, you would have been like, okay, but like, he's clearly gone. But the fact that you laid eyes on him and knew like, you're like. 
That's insane. Dude, and what happened is I give up. I give up. I wrote him off. I spent time in there two days before me and my wife on another scouting trip and went into this. And it's an awesome spot, too. We found, dude, I had, I think it was five deer over 180, one over 190. One of the bucks I ended up killing the very next year, glassed him up. I killed him the very next year in the exact same bed. I bumped him out of on opening day the year I killed Scar. And I'm in a completely different place hunting. Dude, I, and he's a book typical, a book typical that I was, and I would have killed him. You know, even, so what happened was I go to a whole different place. I'm in there hunting, storms are rolling in. These bucks, dude, they ended up getting all buggered up. I screwed up. I, I basically, I went through this. I went through, I rode, I took a shortcut back to camp because it was a freaking blizzard. I'm riding through the snow. I jumped this 190 plus typical actually i didn't even jump him i rode my mule within 40 feet of him 40 yeah it was dude i could i still can't believe i rode that close and he sat there the entire time and i'm in this these thick aspens snowing riding my mule dude that deer just sat there like what in the hell is this in this snowstorm coming through here dude i did everything i could to get my gun out of the scabbard i couldn't get my gun out of the scabbard to shoot him and he exploded out of his bed and was gone that buck, I killed him the next year in that exact same bed on yeah. opening day. The same bed that I jumped him out of the year before. But whatever. So those bucks all get buggered up. And finally, I come to my senses and I'm like, I better just go over here and look. And what happened was I was hunting those same bucks Sunday morning. Yeah, no, let's see. Saturday night, I'm like, okay, I'm heading out of here. I got to go somewhere else. I got to go look at something different. Just had this feeling. I'm like, I got to go look something different. I go to this whole different spot. I'm like, had to load up my mule, drive the trailer, whatever. And I go into this spot that I've been in already looking for Scar multiple times to the best vantage point I know. And I told myself, I'm like, so it was Sunday morning. I said, I am going to sit here all day until it's dark Sunday night. And this is, so this is one week before I killed him. And I'm like, and then I'm going home and I got to go back to work. And I had these jobs that like, dude, I, I, I was so over, I had to go back to, couldn't get out of it. So dude, I sit there, a guy walks down. He's like the only guy I seen in there hunting. He's the only guy and he's hunting elk, man. He's got an elk bugle. He ties his horse. Dude, I wish I could find this guy. I'd love to just tell him how this worked. But dude, he walks, ties his horse and he walks kind of down onto this pinnacle where he can see a little better. And he had to kind of come through these little ledges. He walks down and he bugles. And I'm just kind of watching him. It's like, uh, I think it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So keep in mind, I'm back where I'm on, I'm on the mountain where I, I had seen Scar, but I'm like, I'm a whole, I'm on like the backside. I'm, I'm coming from a whole nother angle, just like, just basically throwing a dart at the wall, mm -hmm. seeing if I can find something. Dude, this guy comes out there and he stands, bugles, and there was a few elk in there. Um, I didn't hear anything bugle back at him. I just kind of watched him for a minute. He walks back up to his horse. 
And dude, out of the bottom, like I see something stand up and this buck take off moving. So at this time, I'm trying to remember the yard, it was a long ways, like way too far to shoot. Um, these storm cells were rolling in, in and out. Like you'd come in, snow, snow squall, and then it'd stop. Chuck and snow, you can't see anything. Dude, I'm honestly like, I better go, just go home. Like I'm gonna have to drive all the way home. It's gonna, you know, I know the passes, I gotta pull my horse trailer over, <laughs> gotta be to work. And I'm sitting there having that debate. Should I just leave? And I'm like, no, you said you're gonna stay here all day. What, what do you got? You can get home late tonight. Well, <laughs> this sucks, but a close friend of mine <laughs> ended up shooting himself that exact day. And it's a weird thing and I haven't really talked about it, but a close friend of mine, is it's a long story and I don't really want to get into it, but it sucks. But I'm sitting up there and I got a text message from him from Saturday, dude, that morning, Sunday morning when I got, I actually got service somewhere going through and I had service sitting up there where I was glassing and I'm like, and I got this text message and dude, no shit. I'm sitting there the whole day. I'm like, I ought to text him, I, you know, and I'm just, I didn't have service. It wasn't great. I'm like, I'll text him later. And dude, I get a phone call from another friend and tells me all this. Like, I'll never forget it. But Dang. so I'm kind of sitting up there. Just it's kind of one of them days. But that guy comes down, bugles, whatever. And, you know, that whole internal debate that everybody has, everybody's been sitting there like, should I stick it out or should I go? Well, for whatever reason, I was like, I'm going to stick it out. The guy comes down, I'm watching him. And I'm still, I remember literally thinking, God, there's a guy over there. Maybe I should just go. Like, just call it a day. Dude, there is Scar. 100%, like, without doubt, that's him. Like, I'm looking at him. Dude, and I watch him go around. He doesn't run, doesn't make a whole bunch of commotion, all by himself. Goes around, out of sight, can't see him. And, dude, I am freaking, like, losing my mind. I'm like, okay. Now I what? just spotted the biggest buck. Like, that was, dude, like, that's when I realized, like, I had found the biggest buck in Wyoming probably that year. I had found where he summered, and I had him all to myself. Like, where he was going, there's nobody over there. Dude, I had to go back to work. Um, long story short, tried to adjust, go down Canyon. I could never turn him up again, but I knew he was there. I knew he was there. Went into some thick stuff. I couldn't see him. Dude, that was the worst week I've ever had in my life. Like, I'm sitting there, and I have a friend up hunting. I'm texting him, like, hey, you seeing anybody? Dude, and, and to be honest, I didn't tell a single person except for my wife that I had seen him. I didn't tell a single person a buck like that. I don't know, man. It's a weird thing. Um, it'll make people do crazy things. It'll make people yeah. do weird things. And it's just, it honestly was almost not even real, but I never told a single person. So I got a buddy and he's up hunting. He was hunting some bucks. He, uh, I'm asking him, I'm like, dude, you seen anybody in the trailhead all week long? He was up there almost the whole week. He's like, no, nobody's there. He's like, why? What's up? And I didn't tell him, you know, and it's funny, but I never told him anything, you know, and I was just trying to, but he's sitting here telling me nobody's in there. And I'm like, okay, that buck's there. I know he's there. So when I got, I think, I think I ended up being able to pull out Friday. So I got Friday off of work that week. So dude, the drive home that Sunday, mm -hmm. I was honestly like, 
dude, and I, I've got jobs lined up for my best clients, like guys that literally feed my family and me, make me a living that I have put off. I have promised I'm going to be there this week because I basically worked it so I could hunt those opening, the opening week. And then I was like, okay, and then I'll go back to work and then I'll come the last few days, whatever. Had to go back. I couldn't let them down. Big jobs. They couldn't, I had to be there. Dude, I was such a mess that week at work, man. I don't think I freaking accomplished anything. All I could think about was that deer. All I could, like, it was on my mind 24-7. I get Thursday, I think I ended up getting enough work done that I was able, I'm like, dude, guys, I'll catch you up next week. I'm out. (laughs) Dude, Thursday night I got home. My wife wasn't even off work yet. I loaded my mule. I loaded my horse trailer and freaking away I went. Dude, I drove two hours. I'm damn near, I'm freaking, I'm, I'm way into Wyoming. My wife calls me. She's like, Chav, uh, you missing anything? <laughs> no. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, your binoculars are sitting here on the counter. That's how big of a show I was, dude. I couldn't even, I wasn't even thinking straight. So, dude, we go up there. Um, I pull in on Friday morning at, no, I got, because so she met me. I think I got in there at about midnight. So she drove, met me about halfway. Then I had to turn around and I went back. Hey, dude, that's, a, pulled, that's a keeper right there. Yes, 100%. Though it's not, though yeah, that slipped by. A long yeah. ways in my binoculars. <laughs> dude, I drive. Um, I drive up to the trailhead. There's horses, trailers, everything <laughs> at the trailhead. I'm sitting there thinking, what? Dude, and I'm all just down about it, thinking, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna go around. I, I don't even remember how this worked. But anyways, basically three days, man. I sat in there. Well, it was at least. Shit, or was it Saturday? I can't remember. Dude, anyways took me two freaking days to find him again i sat up there on that same place looking can't find him i'm all worried i'm like dude did somebody bugger him up so i know where he is dude the snow was so bad there was i run into some guys in there hunting the snow came in and it was blowing it was horrible i'm sitting up there i'm like the morning was actually pretty decent the day i killed him it was a sunday october 1st um, the morning was pretty decent and then the snow just, dude, it was relentless. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Like, I got to do something else. Should I go around here? Like, maybe I should just, and I think, oh, I was able to hunt. I was able to hunt Monday and Tuesday. I think that's how I scored it. So I'm like, maybe I should just go down to the trailer, dry up and I'll come back in the morning. You're not seeing anything, dude. I ended up freaking spotting him bedded in the most, the craziest place. Long ways off, too far to shoot. Anyways, ended up getting him killed. Uh, the story about killing him, I I had to drop off the mountain, kind of come up on the same side with him because I was so nervous, man. I was so, I was wound up. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was probably the most wound up I've ever been. Like, because I'm just, everything's playing out in my mind, like this buck. And I'm like, he isn't going anywhere. And there was a spot I could see. And I'm like, I should be. I had this debate. I could kill him at about 800. 
shoot at him from 800 and I feel confident I, I mean I really do it was it wasn't there was wind but it wasn't anything that I didn't think I could uh, that I but it was in the back of my mind like you better get closer like don't screw this up mm-hmm. so I'm looking over I'm like hey I think I can get to this point and I'll bet I can see him from 400 yards I that's what I was guessing in my head well it ended up being I got over there dude the bucks out of the bed not there and I'm like are you kidding me dude he's feeding has no idea I'm there he's heading up he's just feeding up but dude I have seconds to pull this off no time to dial a scope no time to do anything I have just a holdover so I have the night force they don't make them anymore which sucks but it has a reticle in it that uh basically you zero at 200 then you got a 300 hash 400 it's basically like a customer it's like mm-hmm. a reticle it's UHD mm-hmm. 5 for basically my drop everything so dude I, I feel confident with that and at 400 so I, dude I had two seconds I pull out my Harris bipod dude and this is how things work you have seconds to get it done I dude I deploy my Harris bipod it explodes dustin like i'm not kidding you it exploded on me springs everywhere it made the loudest noise and i'm like dude i grab my pack i'm leaning on my pack and i'm a big bipod guy i like bipods i just feel better shooting off of them grab my pack but it's a 400 i'm confident dude i get one shot as he's kind of heading up there's like a ridge behind him he knows you're there no dude he was looking my way but he wasn't nervous he wasn't running he did look my way because when he swung around dude i about like Mm -hmm. see that bucking at your scope it's it was next level i'm like you're good get it done 400 yards you got one shot boom well because i was on my backpack and not on my bipod i didn't see my impact yep yep have no idea and i'm like i didn't hear anything dustin there's this big log pretty unique log and i'm looking at it i'm like okay he was right behind the log it's just right around here real easy and dude i'm a believer and a lot of guys will disagree with me but i have seen deer act pretty different around stock animals like riding an unshoed mule can sneak around pretty damn good and I'm a big, like, I've rode up to, I told you about that other big buck. So I'm like, I'm going to ride her all the way to the top, and I'm going to come down, because it was basically a draw on the other side I couldn't see. I'm like, I'm going to come down that draw, I'm going to work, not come down the ridge, but I'm going to just work where I can pop over in multiple places, see down through there, and make sure he's not alive. So, dude, it takes me, I don't know, I think it was 4 o'clock, I, about when I shot, again, middle of the day. I could tell you stories till midnight about middle of the day deer. But anyways, come down this ridge, no sign of the buck. I don't see anything, no movement. I can see pretty good into this stuff. Dude, I come down, I get to that big log. I'm like, all right, dude, there's some big buck tracks. Dude, there's this buck track going up over the ridge. No freaking blood in it, dude. And I'm like, you freaking blew it, man. I sat there. Cause it's raining. It was fresh. I'm like, dude, you freaking idiot. Like you blew it. You blew it on the biggest buck ever. About to dude, send was... Harris a, an email. <laughs> oh, I should. Dude, I was feeling so sorry for myself. Like I, I honestly was so depressed. I'm sitting over there, dude. And I make five circles, five or six circles, like no blood, no hair. I got nothing. So I start walking the track out. 
So I'm walking this track out, and it occurs to me, it's like, dude, he would have ran when you shot. This track ain't running. There's no freaking, he didn't run. And so I start looking around. Dude, I look like 60 yards down the hill. There's another freaking log, exactly mm. like the one that I had seen. Dude, I go down there. There's that buck laying, scars laying behind that log, dead as a doornail. Dude, didn't take freaking two steps. Only thing that happened is when he fell, he slid just a little bit and I couldn't see him. Yeah. Dude, and there he was. And like, to put my hands on him, man. Amazing. It was, dude, I hope like one day i just hope like dude i'll live the rest of my life just trying to you know duplicate like that feeling of like those significant deer it's the best in the world man there's just nothing like it and man i sat up there so i had like one bar of service got enough service I called my wife i'm like you're never gonna believe this I'm like i killed that freaking deer and she's like no way i'm like i did dude and i took a bunch of pictures um and it was so cool man because during when I was looking for him, it was snowing. Dude, like the clouds, as soon as I found him, like the clouds parted. Dude, this, like there was this epic sunset, dude. I sat there holding that deer. Built a fire up there, dude. I sat there till freaking midnight. I didn't even move. I didn't even care, man. I just hung out. Took it all out, in. Dude. Yeah, dude. It was just one of the greatest times of my life. I packed him out. At, uh, I think I got to my truck. I had to walk. I just loaded him on the mule and I walked out and like that picture, man, I'm looking at it right now. And I got the Eastman's cover. I was on the cover of Eastman's. Um, I remember that picture before, yeah, I, dude, before I ever knew you. Yeah, it was, it was so cool. And dude, and it's so funny because I never meant for like my mule to be sitting in the background. Like <laughs> I took a bunch of pictures and my mules there in the background, the sun's like it's light in the sky just a little bit, but it's kind of pretty much dark, dude. It was just how cool it turned out and the whole way out. And so I had no service or anything um, when I got down into the bottom. <laughs> dude, it's a funny story. I ended up, so I had, I had occasionally been seeing grizzly tracks, which was weird because they're not super common through there, but there are some. And dude, when I'm walking out, there's grizzly tracks, fresh grizzly tracks coming right up the trail mm. over top of my mule tra mm. tracks. I'm like, holy, this is wild. But it was cool, dude. And I didn't even care, man. It was like this. I don't know. I could. It was the best walk out I've ever had in my life. And dude, just watching him. And I wish I got had some pictures of that buck tied up on the mule, like coming out in the dark. And it just, it wouldn't work. But dude, it was, it was pretty epic, man. And I think back about it all the time it's just wild and that ended up being the second um he ended up being he broke off he broke off his split cheater he definitely had shrunk down that year he ended up i think like two in the two 15s he's like 35 inches wide downturn main beams got some wild eye guards just some extra little cheaters like just and he's got one big like hook cheat like a, a drops it's just wild, man. I, I think about it all the time. Like that, that buck and well, almost every deer that I've ever taken, but those bucks just teach you like how hard it is and how much time a guy has to spend to really, I mean, it just opened my eyes, man, that when you find something good, you better stick with it. Like, and I just think if I would have zigged instead of zagged, any of those, like all the like 
puzzle pieces and just the way that the cards fell to make that happen. Shit, dude, it's just, it's rare, you know, like, it, well, it really it, is. It, it is yeah it is it is luck right like like you said oh i've never lucked into one during the season but like you know yeah. you, you luck into them before the yeah. season but it's not luck when you're just there you know what i mean and for sure and and i i'm still trying man i'm still trying to kill a a, a big mature buck on purpose like that where i know about him before the season and then execute like that, whether it happens, you know, luckily or not or whatever. But, um, yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just it's recorded, cool stuff, man. These deer just, Oh, you just, you know, you, like you can't even, and I I've seen what big bucks can do. Right. Um, but you can't even fathom really how secretive and how secluded and how yes. out of the way those bucks can stay, um, until you witness it right yep. until you actually see it and watch them pull it off you know i just had um from kafaru ken, uh, ken kenny kenneth on yeah. and the freaking podcast i used the wrong sd card and it's not there so i'm gonna have to re-record with him but um epic dude he he learned all of this in one season last year by by finding hunting and killing a like a nine and a half year old buck right like same class that you're talking with scar and um it is same story right it was like dude he's like i know he's there but like he could never he wouldn't see him for days at a time and yep. then when he did he's like that deer was you know you would get like four minutes in the morning and boom he's in the trees and then you'd get like maybe if he even came out at night you'd get a second or whatever he was he's like i knew he was laying in there and i couldn't find him you know just all the stuff right <laughs> like all yep. the stuff that you you hear about or you, you know, if you're lucky enough, you watch bucks do it. You know, when, when I see bucks lay down because someone's close to them, right. Or like watch, you watch people walk by big bucks, right? Like yes. you're, I mean, just until you see it and feel it, you can't fathom it. But once you can, then it really, man, it just opens your mind to like, you know, all the things. And then most importantly, it opens your mind to like, sit there like no yes. i'm just gonna sit here like i i know better like it could be maybe it'll be next year but like i'm gonna sit here <laughs> dude 100 you know? yeah. well, and how adaptable these deer can be like and the how they'll exploit their environment for safety man and the things that they well uh god i'm gonna drag this out for long but i gotta tell you this one like you were saying about somebody walking by so I, this other buck, the biggest buck I've ever taken, um, 240 something double dropper got stuff everywhere. He's unbelievable. That's probably my favorite deer. And the reason he's my favorite deer is because of the time, dude, it was five years to get him killed. And I had never really talked tons about this. I don't know if I've ever even, I mean, he was in hunting pool, um, Man, I, my pictures were just horrible. I didn't even care. But back in those days, I just kind of, whatever. But this buck lived on BLM land with, and everybody can imagine BLM sagebrush land with freaking roads going all over through it. You know, everybody knows, think of that normal, just the stuff that's all over Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, just 
dude, in this buck, I don't know how he did it, but he actually wintered higher in elevation than he summered. Lived down, dude, guys drove by this deer. I could tell you stories of people driving by this deer while I was watching him on so many occasions, man. And this deer, dude, I could never get him killed. Once October come around, couldn't find him for five freaking years with a rifle. I could find him during archery season and only for like the first couple once he went hard horn whole different animal it took five years to figure this buck out dude if people realized how that buck survived in a place like that got old didn't get spotted didn't have i had me and a couple buddies that was it that was it that were hunting him nobody was really after him had it really to ourselves there was the occasional elk hunter and one time so i had this buck bedded in his glory, the year that I killed him, 240 inches, double droppers. Um, he's got crown points. He's got split. I mean, he's unreal. Big ol' eye guard. He's cool. Dude, I had guy a guy. I, I'm literally, I got my bow in my hand. I glass him. I'm like, dude, he's in the best position I have ever seen him in to get a stock on. And it's open country, dry. You can't sneak in on him. Dude, he was bedded right next to a road, like a two-track road that I knew was dirt that you I could sneak up so easy. I'm like, that deer is dead. I'm like, I'm thinking this. I'm like, he's done. I got him. I got him today. Like, finally, it all worked out. I got him. Dude, I watch a guy drive up the road. I'm seeing this guy come up. I'm like, please tell me he's not a hunter. I'm like, he's going to freaking see this deer right off the side of the road. Dude, he pulls up, and where he was sitting was on a ridge and a kind of a high point, a great glassing point. This guy pulls up in his truck, almost, like stops in the middle of the road. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to watch him kill this deer, like right out his window. Like, Am I going to watch him pull his bow out and shoot this deer? Dude, he pulls out his binoculars, Dustin. He's glassing, like just looking around. Dude puts his binoculars back, drives off. <laughs> the deer doesn't stand. He doesn't move. He just sits there. And I would say it was about the time that I think that deer, and I'm sitting there watching this whole thing. I'm like, what? Dude, the deer stands up, freaking heads off. It was the last time I seen him until I spotted him October. It was, I think, October 1st. I ended up finally finding where he was moving off to when uh, the velvet went away. Mm. Ended up getting him killed. And, like, dude, just some of the things that I've seen big bucks do, it is they are next level. They And I know guys, they really are like a whole different animal. When they get giant, they really are just like a whole nother species. It's just it's unbelievable. And it's taught me that buck was in that open type country dustin i would go up there six seven eight times and maybe see him once in all that time but one thing about him in the summer when it was like july i could find him i would say probably once every four days and we're talking open sage um you know there's some aspen patches and stuff but i think he was out there the whole time i just could never yeah. i mean it just bed in that tall sage and it'd just be tough and it's just one of those things just has taught me and i've there's been others too and i could go on for hours but it's just one of those things man 
that time, if you can get out there and scout in July, I don't think, or early August, I do not think there's anything more valuable. Yep. Yep. It's, I mean, I've listened, Travis, this is like episode hundred and something, 17 or whatever. And with a healthy, healthy dose of mule deer yep. from some of the best, if not 90% of the best mule deer hunters out there. And I'm telling you, like, I've tried to put my finger on the one or two or three things that are continue to be themes. Right. And what did it, what is it, what is it, what is it? And, and of course, like, you know, just like in sports, like you have to execute the play, right? Tom Brady has to, when he, when he takes his first step back out of his snap, he has to turn his foot a certain way because Mm -hmm. that's what turns his hips the right way, which gets his shoulders in position, which, you know, opens up his, throwing lanes or whatever right like like those i don't disregard the little nitty-gritty details and the skill um that guys have that kill big bucks but the big picture stuff it's like time yep okay just flat out time whether that's time during the hunt time before the season time you have to you know it's why robbie talks about quitting everything else because you have to have the time yep it's so important time the second thing i really believe is is the preseason scouting and i'm talking like you know if we're to over the course of 5 10 15 20 years 30 years of hunting and consistently killing big bucks um finding them ahead of time knowing where to look and to stay there or to not stay there or whatever, but finding them ahead of time, I think would be number two. Yes. I dude, I don't think, I think those two things literally are the thing that separates a guy that uh, is average or above average. Everybody that I know that's doing, that's killing deer on a regular basis on a budget. And I know there are exceptions where guys are spending a ton of money, but they're not really, it's, it's, it's different. Not the same. like for your, for your average guy, I think to be able to be consistent and to try to get it figured out, like you said, man, it's time and this time you spend in that summer scouting and trying to be as effective as you can. I really believe those two items are like, they are the most important thing. And I know a lot of, I know it's hard because a lot of guys, it, it, Robbie, he is one of the best that I've ever heard. And he makes so much sense, man, is that for your average guy, if you really want, you do almost have to dedicate your life to it because there's just not enough time. If you want to, you know, you're going boating or you're going, I don't know, whatever it is you like to do in the summer. If you're doing all that stuff, that's okay. And I know that family time's important. But trying to get out there in the hills whenever you can is so important. It's just like that whole story. You know, I was late that day. I, th- I think back, I could have, and dude, I remember I was like, man, maybe but I should that, turn around. I knew I was going to be late. Right. But that, like, no. but that doesn't matter. Right. Like yeah. it, it, it doesn't like, there's no, you know what I mean? There's no like no. set you know, playbook that you have to follow or rules in this game. It's just being there. 
get out there, man, and yeah. figure things out. And, and, you know, and the more time, and I'm convinced of this too, and I, I've said this for years, but this is a prime example, glassing. Dude, I believe, and I believe this with all my heart, that glassing is a skill and it's like an art that you have to practice to be good at. And the reason I say that, my wife, bless her heart, was the worst glasser I have ever seen, Dustin. I am not kidding you. When I first met her, I, dude, it would take me when we first, and you know, when I was just hunting a bunch and whatever, and so she's just kind of riding along, whatever. Dude, it was so painful for me. Like, a girl that really grew up, she kind of hunted once in a while with her dad, but whatever. But she was horrible. Well, dude, for the past few years, when she goes out with me and she spends a bunch of time with me, dude, I have seen her outglass guys, my buddies that are damn good glassers. I have seen her in the past few years outglass all of them. She will find every deer. I put a lot of confidence in her. Like, when she sits down with her binos on a tripod, and she gets serious. She can see deer now. And I truthfully believe, like, it's just that time you spend, the more you're out there, just everything makes sense. You know where to look. You know how to glass. And I think a lot of guys start out at such a disadvantage. When they when they go out, maybe it's September 1st, whatever day their archery hunt opens, whatever, they haven't glassed once since last year. And I know there's some guys that are pretty good at it, but I'm telling you, guys that are good and do it all the time, like their eyes, I don't know what it is, man, but it's something happens when you do it a bunch, you just, it just unfolds. And I'm, I'm 100% convinced that that time is so valuable. Even if you get, dude, I would say nine out of 10, probably 90% of the time, my scouting trips are pretty uneventful. I mean, I might see a deer, whatever, like a decent deer that maybe I'll put in my bank for next time. But a lot of times it's a waste, but it's not a waste because you're out there. You're, dude, I just did a podcast with Ryan Carter and I loved how he put this. He put it as checking boxes. And I think that is what it is, is you're just out there. You're just checking boxes. You're just going through. Yeah, looking at stuff you're just spending all this time big as much buck, as you can big buck equity you know yeah that's what it is man is it's just the time and and to work your schedule too and you don't have to go out and you know i go to for instance um when i have a wyoming deer tag man i might go up we might spend the day in afton you know me and my wife i'd go up i'm glassing in the morning i might let her sleep in whatever she might come, you know, with me early one morning or late one night, whatever, but I'm going to try to go up and be in prime places at the prime times, whether that's early morning, late afternoon, whatever. I'm just going to try to work the schedule and we can go do some other fun stuff. Man, I've been to Colorado, dude. I went to a Rockies game in the middle of the day. I glassed that morning until I don't remember. And we just flew down to Denver and yeah, I missed that night. But, dude, I try to work it so it's it's not just I'm just out there going wild scouting for eight days. I'm the best freaking scout, whatever. <laughs> dude, I just, I'm just breaking it up in little trips, like weekend trips. Maybe I have a free Saturday. It's like, hey, wake up at 3 in the morning. I might have to drive six hours just to get over there. Dude, even if it's for the morning, 
maybe you you know slip, have a nap in your truck and then just glass the evening and freaking drive home one day like you tons of people can do that but dude i know so many guys that just don't do it and that to me the difference and a lot of times that's how i try to break it up is just have fun i go out and the best part about scouting season is there's not a whole lot of pressure it's just fun I, I just have fun i'm out riding my mule through the hills i'm exploring new country i set trail cameras all over i'm just trying to throw this net or i'm fishing that's really what it is i'm like fishing just trying to maybe you know get lucky and hook one up and usually if i spend enough time and i hit enough places even like this year dude i fully intend i mean i hope by this weekend, I got, uh, I'm going to do a three day or this weekend, the next weekend, I'm going to try to be out scouting again. I'm going to get really crazy serious, dude. Hopefully I turn something up and that's what I feel like is, and the difference between, and dude, there's not a worse feeling in the world than when hunting season starts for me and I don't have anything mm -hmm. to do. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm, I'm guessing. I want to know, and that's the thing that I think I, why I like scouting is because I'm just out, I'm out moving, I'm going to different places, I'm freaking throwing darts at the wall, and I'm just hoping that I hit that bullseye just one of them times, like that's all it is, man, yeah. it's just, yeah. yeah you, you can't you can't do anything wrong in the summer, right? Yeah, you can't, really, you can't, and I mean, I bumped some deer and it sucked, and I think I kind of screwed it up like on accident, but I found that buck. And even if I bump him and maybe I screw it up and maybe I have a hard time finding him again, whatever, I know he's there. And that, no, they don't. That, and uh, in the summer, like, you know, they, they're very forgiving and they don't, yes. they don't honestly know if you're a hiker or a sheep 100%. herder or a hunter that time of year, because they're not getting, you know, they're not getting arrows flung at them. So it's different. You know, you're not, 100%. you're not, you're not creeping up on them, blowing them out at 40 yards right yep. that's a different <laughs> they they're smart enough to know that hey something switched right um yeah how many dude and and i've only like eight i just have to say this because i have 18 minutes left on this sd card so okay i feel like you and i could blow through that if we're not careful. oh yeah but we're I'm we're gonna wrap up here how many bucks out of how many bucks do you have to do you feel like you look at let's say in the summer until you've seen or found a next level buck hundreds one in a hundred one in 500 i would say probably dude i'll bet you're probably closer to 500 and so then how many on average now it's not this simple and it's not this hard because there's a learning curve right and as soon as you yeah. figure out where to look for bucks and where to yeah. look for big bucks the, the the odds start going down real quick but still like, let's even say it's one in a hundred just to be, you know, someone who mm -hmm. knows what they're looking for. They're still going to go look at one in a hundred. Yeah, bucks. they're using past experience. Sure. That's you've already, you've already been in, to, yep. yeah, you've already been there or, or again, you, you and I, and everybody that's done this very long, you can look at a place and say, well, this isn't where it's going to be. It's probably going to mm -hmm. be up here or whatever. Yeah. If it's one in a hundred and you go out on a good three day, two day scouting trip. What do you typically see? 20 bucks? I would say so. Not this I year. Mean, yeah, not this year. But I mean, typically, well, let me put it this way. In 16, so in 2015, 16, 17, 
I had so many giant bucks, man. If people knew, this is what I keep going back to and like kind of what gives me faith. If I could explain, and I don't even want to tell people, but if I could explain how many giant bucks I had found in those years, I didn't know, Dustin, I had so many big bucks scouted. I didn't know which way to go, man. I was so stressed out that, like, especially in the year 2000, it was the prior year of the bad winter. So, dude, there were so many giant bucks running around. Man, 14 was another one for me. Um, 15, dude, I had so many big bucks. And I look back at those times and how, like, glorious they really were. <laughs> and to, compared to now, it's a whole different world. Like, it's so hard out there right now. And that's what's tough. So, for instance, right now, the past few weekends, um, I was actually up in Montana messing around this last weekend so i didn't go but the weekends prior i mean honestly i'm seeing probably 10 12 bucks a day is all and that's where it hurt because yeah i was up in that you know getting into that 30s 40s um most days and i do like to do a lot of long-range blasting that's another thing that I think uh, is kind of unique about me. Like I really, I sit way, way, way back. I try to look at everything. I don't, especially during scouting, I'm like finding these vantage points that I can just see so much. And that really helps your buck numbers go up because you're seeing, and dude, I'm just glassing through deer. And I mean, until one's like, looking like he's hanging way out past his ear i don't even i don't even pay attention for a second i'm just looking 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 and that's kind of how i go about it is i do a lot of long-range glassing um and then trail cameras that's another thing that's really i think it's really helped me over the years is just to kind of some of them thicker places that are a little weird i've been able to i've got lucky and had some bucks come across a trail camera and it's like hey once i find that deer then you can kind of, and they're almost up there doing the work when you're not even there, you know? So that's well, what's, what's funny about that is I've, I've completely written off trail cameras up here in Wyoming. Right. However, yep. I think I need to reintroduce them to my repertoire because I am used to using them to find deer when I'm down home, Nevada, mm-hmm. Southern Utah, right. Yep. Uh, Arizona, we use them to locate deer. And, you know, everything's changed down there now, but, but back when you could run them hardcore, I mean, I can tell you one, you know, a handful of bucks that died because of cameras and up here, I'm like, well, that's pointless because where do you even start? Right. It's like placing a needle in a stack of needles, you know? Yep. But what I guarantee what you're using them for is once you found a buck, you're surrounding him within you know within reason without blowing him out you're surrounding him and trying to find any telltale you know exit strat exit routes or where he's moving or did he move or anything like that yeah and like for me in wyoming one thing that i like to do dustin so let's say i'm riding down through like let's just say i'm working down this ridge line i'm classing off both sides a lot of times just off a ridge line maybe it's in some older growth pines you'll come across these buck beds and you'll look in there and dude, this is one of my favorite tactics is I'll get into those buck beds. I'll look and I'll be like, Hey, there's a great big buck track in this bed. 
I will set a camera on them beds, try to cover, you know, the beds. That's one of my favorite tactics in like Wyoming or anywhere where there's like a lot of water, like higher country stuff. The other thing I'll do is I will cover trails. Um, trail cameras are interesting. If you, when you cover a trail, I like to find a tree that something almost has to walk around, if that makes sense. That's the trail, that's the camera angle I get is where something has to come around that tree. Like maybe the trail kind of, there's like a tree and the trail goes around it. And when I'm riding my mule, I'm always thinking about that. Like, okay, there's a good spot where I got a nice long down the trail and I'm gonna get that deer coming down the trail. Sometimes that's a waste, like you don't get anything, but that's kind of how I break it down. Even main hiking trails, horse trails, so you'll whatever. put them, you'll put them up without seeing anything. Absolutely, mm. just in places that I'm like, I feel like a buck's here, or maybe. And what I really try is it where is I it Travis? Is it places that though in the past you've like, oh, there I know there's big bucks that run in here because the the no. problem. No. Okay. Well, how just, do you know? I'm just I'll throw darts at the wall, man. Just you just trying to. You just going. Just in, how many? How many cameras time, do you have still out there? <laughs> um. Well, I have slowed down a lot just because of trail camera restrictions, and so, so Utah that yeah. really affected me. Just because that day, it's tough. Like, so I slowed down a lot. Um, I've. I'm about in the fifties to sixties right now. It's about all I can manage and do it a good job and do it justice. I'm about 50 to 60 out there. And most of the time, man, it, it's honestly, I don't get anything. Like I could do this dude go, going through SD cards and just, yeah. it's freaking garbage. You know, I don't yeah, get wind blowing leaves or yep. cows, you know, yeah, I mean, cattle, yeah. sheep, all that stuff. And that's another thing I do is like, uh, so Utah, some of my favorite spots. So if I can find an old established, a lot of these ranchers. So if there's an, a grazing allotment, so in Idaho, I know some places that I've been riding and you walk up and there's these cattle salt blocks off. This sucks. It's hard to do this, but these, these ranchers have been throwing these salt blocks here for years. Well, those deer, Dude, they've been doing it for generations. That deer's mother probably took him to that block where he found it somehow. Dude, I found a few good bucks doing that, just hammering. But, dude, I'm going to tell you, that's the hardest thing ever because I'm sorting through yeah. two, three thousand, four, five, six thousand pictures of cattle sitting on this salt yeah, block. That's how it is. That's how it is yeah. running them down home, you know. Yep. Wild horses, one of those cows. Things. Yes, but it's one of those things that it's just you're just covering. I guess your net's getting wider. I guess that's kind of how I feel about yeah. cameras. And most of the time, it truly is a bust and it's damn hard. And like that Starbuck, you know, I put a bunch of cameras out. I went and found all these beds. Dude, I put a camera right where I spotted him, thinking, okay, hey, he's going to probably hang out in the spot. Never got a picture of him. Uh, I never got him on trail camera. So that's why I kind of was convinced too. So they can kind of fool you too. So it's kind of, it's just, it's tough. So man. how, how many, how many of your big bucks have you found on camera? Let's see. So one, one buck I found on camera. 
um, Cuba. Or, or utilized in any way. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that, that's the thing is, so one buck I completely found on cameras. I do have a few, like, I should say, and when I'm talking the number, I found a lot of my, like, insignificant, good 170, kind of cool bucks um, on camera and hunted there because of them. But, like, my giant um, one I found with a camera, and then I know I utilized two that helped me kill them, I think, or at least gave me a little more information that gave me enough to go off of yeah. But I do know, but I should say this, <laughs> two of the bucks, um, two bucks were on camera, um, few, like I had them prior and knew like I started hunting in there because of what I was seeing on my trail camera, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. So enough to matter. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. it, I think it's definitely worthwhile. <laughs> And a lot of times it is a bust and it's hard. Um, it's just hard when there's a bunch of water and it's just, it's, it's tough, but it definitely can help you. And it can just put a one more piece of the puzzle and it might be enough Yeah, where you gather just enough to be like, all right, I got him. Love it. Yeah. Dude, good, dude. Good stuff, man. I freaking love it. I'm uh, yeah epic it's it's just it's the best it's the greatest thing ever and here's and here's why it's the greatest thing ever travis because all that all those characteristics all that stuff that you just talked about all the things that we've seen all the tricks and all the little sneakiness and all the crap elk have never done that ever (laughs) a bull elk has never been known to do that so that ends the debate right there (laughs) I agree. I like, dude, the last thing I shot was a monster bull elk. Like I love them. They're, they have their place, you know, late November is a perfect time when you can't really have mule deer tags or whatever. But anyway, for sure. No, it's fun, man. And it's just, I don't know what it is. It's the, whatever you get passionate about. And I know guys like, and dude, I, I talk to these guys that get passionate about elk and I'm like, man, that sounds fun, you know? And, And I've done, you know, I just have never, dude, it just never, I don't know, man. It never grabbed me like mule deer. It's just always been mule deer for me. So well, and I'll I'll even admit um, that finding and killing a big bull, just in general, like a I'm talking a monster, like a 385, right? Yes, book, a book bull. I really think it's harder in general. I just, think just you're by probably the, right. Just by the, yeah. the 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 numbers of it, like like actually finding and killing one but mm-hmm. but you, Tags are, yep. yeah yeah being able to be in those places and find them and do they exist even and all that but yep. but the art of killing a big buck like this like an eight and a half year old deer for example is way harder like it yeah <laughs> it just is just the crazy oh. things they do and all the yeah but it's dude and the best part about deer hunting there is no top man you can never that's what i love about it man just when I think like, oh, I'm getting this figured out, dude, something else will happen. I'll be like, <sighs> you don't know anything. And dude, I feel like I can hunt the rest of my life and listen to and gather all the information. Dude, I'll never, I'll never learn everything about a man. And that's what I think drives me crazy is just trying to learn everything about them, their mannerisms, what they do, and just try to figure them out and someday master it. But I don't think there is mastering it. You no. can. It's just 
a never ending pursuit. And that's what's yep. so fun. Love it. Well, thanks for jumping on, man. One of these days, um, I'm going to trick you into going on like a backcountry horse mule extravaganza. So I can, I'm, I'm just, I've got this, this pony that's, he's broke enough to go. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take him out this year, but there's just so many questions I have. We haven't done a, a ton of like, you know, overnight horse pack trips in my life. We've done plenty of hunting on horses, day hunts, but yep. anyway, that'd be awesome. You'll be set, dude. You'll do I, it comes easier than you think. And there's a few like logistical things that are a little different, but man, with today's backpacking gear, lightweight gear, I think in combination, yeah, we should, yeah. we should definitely, we should talk about that more. So yep. I'd love to get on with you and do it. So, okay. Cool, man. Have a good okay. night. Yeah, uh, if that doesn't get everybody fired up for mule deer, I don't know what is. Um, <laughs> it last thing with my couple minutes I have left real quick. Um, this has nothing to do with Travis necessarily, but we, um, I sent, uh, well it does. Cause I've, you've ordered backpack logistics food. Um, Dude, they're legit. I love it, man. I love the whole <laughs> concept. Yeah, yeah the whole and perfect. the horse, the horse thing, right? Like, I finally talked Dude. you into that. Like, you know, just just build these little day packs and throw them in your freaking saddlebag. But, um, yeah, I sent piles of these little promo cards to Kafaru, my buddies down there, and you know, basically a fat, fat discount uh, that's going to go out with every pack or frame or what i don't care who they send them to but anyway so this is your warning like if you're a kafaru person or you're thinking about a new pack or a frame i've been really good friends with those guys for a long time and just showing them their guys that are buying their stuff some love so that'll that should be hitting their uh, their doorstep it, they are they'll already have it by the time this episode airs but just thought i'd throw that out there so that's epic yeah yep all right, man. I'm all jacked up on white monsters and big bucks. So let's go find <laughs> get out them. there and get one, buddy. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on, yep. brother. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.